Hello, and welcome to Queering Desi. I'm your host, Priya. As a South Asian queer non-binary person, I have learned a lot on my journey of self-acceptance and building community. So in each episode, I will bring you a slice of South Asian LGBTQ life with a guest who exemplifies what it means to be who you are and to live your truth. I like to create a safe and open discussion with our guests and listeners. So if the topics on this podcast are controversial, please know these opinions are of the guest and host, and we don't mean any offense. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to a brand new episode of Queering Desi. On this week's episode, I talked to Shiva Raichandani, the principal dancer and lead instructor of the London School of Bollywood. You may recognize him from Britain's, India's, or France's Got Talent. And as warm as he may seem on social media, he's even more so in person. We talked about everything from dance to Bollywood to Shiva's own forthcoming short film, Queer Parivar, which is based on an interfaith queer South Asian romance. This was a really fun episode to do, and I hope you enjoy it as well. So without much further ado, here's Shiva. Welcome to Queering Desi, Shiva. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. It's really exciting for me. It's our first season not based in the U.S. We record remotely all the time, but being face-to-face and having this conversation in London of all places is so exciting. Welcome to London. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I will say I first came across you as a human from watching India's Got Talent and seeing like my God, someone from the U.S., like someone from outside of the India, someone from U.K. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about like dance? I mean, dance is so much of who you are. And I know that's a vague place to start. But like, how did you first fall in love with dance and maybe your first memory of it? Yes. Wow. That's that's a big one (laughs) because dance is in a way so much to me. It's sort of the go-to definition that people have when they speak about me. She's like, oh, she's about the dancer. It's funny. But I think my earliest memory was actually performing as Madhuri Dixit. When I was, I can't remember, probably was six or seven. This was back in Indonesia. I was really, really, really inspired by her, Mahadala from Devdas. And I was like, I just want to be her. (laughs) It's not fair that she gets to do that. Um, And it took actually not much convincing to my family to let me do it. And we did this at a social gathering where mm. I dressed up as Madhuri, full on with a skirt, with a wig, with jewellery and everything. Literally picked out everything from mom and nani's closet and performed. And that was it. And I felt good. It felt right. It felt like this is something I'm really, really passionate about. This mm. is something I really want to do. It did help that Nani herself is a dancer. And so that sort of like influenced me. Mm. And she's always been encouraging of pursuing the arts. I think my entire family is, but they probably didn't imagine that it would lead to where I am today, (laughs) doing an extension of that Madhuri Diksha dance, but on a wider platform, I guess. Um, So I've always been dancing, Bollywood dance. I think I tried to find myself in those spaces to try and understand my identity, to see how I could connect with others because yes, I knew I sort of like was different in terms of how I identified based on gender and sexuality, but I just didn't know how to communicate that. And so dance then sort of became that safe space where I could go to to just express myself. 
without having to use words. And that was brilliant. I formally trained in Bharatanatyam when I studied in boarding school in India. Mm. They only had classical dance options there. So, and I'm very, very grateful that I did that because that gave me that foundation and discipline in dance to then take that forward. I still do Bollywood dance. I still mm. do commercial Bollywood dance. And I think obviously, because Bollywood dance is so vague because everyone has their own interpretation of it. Everyone sure. has their own Bollywood style. There's no one fixed way to do Bollywood also because it is an amalgamation of various styles, especially from Western diaspora. So that helps where you're not reduced to sort of one definition of Bollywood and anyone can approach it in their own way. So that flexibility was comforting. And now I'm part of a dance company called London School of Bollywood, where I'm the principal dancer and lead instructor. Through the team, we went on Britain's Got Talent, then France's Got Talent, and then finally India's Got Talent. That's amazing. That's quite a journey. And I mean, I think for me, like watching you go through all of these and seeing you from afar, I think something that's always struck me is something you just talked about, right? Of like that safe space, because it's so rare for folks in our community. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of like creating that, finding that, especially within a cultural space that can be influenced by taboos and norms? I think that again goes back to the beauty of dance as an art form, because there are no rules in that sense. Indian classical dance, where you are encouraged to tap into both masculine and feminine energies to portray different characters and to tell a story. So that sort of wide spectrum that you can tap into was very, very freeing. Mm. And so you'd think that you have this very rigid dance curriculum and syllabus, but there's so much room to explore Mm. what that means to an individual dancer. And then to obviously apply that into your own practice. So for me, obviously, when it comes to Bollywood dance, I wanted to challenge the heteronormative narratives that sort of dominated Hmm. Bollywood and mainstream Hindi cinema, because you don't really get to see that sort of representation of queer identities in Bollywood anyway, let alone in music and dance. And so it's sort of that, why does it have to always be the stereotypical hero, heroine, the male, female? How do we break that and have choreography that is gender neutral? Because all of our songs are very gendered. You have the male lyric, the female lyric. And then, so how do you sort of go about that? How do you navigate that as a dancer? Do you dance to one and not the other? Do you want to dance to both? or none and just create your own signature style. So it was a lot of questioning, Mm. a lot of unlearning in the sense that it doesn't always have to be this black and white. It doesn't have to be this binary and you can create your own space, whatever that might look like to you. And so that is what sort of is that safe space for me where I can be like, this is my space. I create the rules and it doesn't have to be in sync with what you see as deem as dance or not but to me this is valid and that's all that matters yeah yeah I mean you touch on Bollywood which is something I want to come to later with your current project but I think a lot of that unlearning like it sounds so simple right but like going through yeah but going (laughs) through the motions like right on our own journeys and as I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to Mm -hmm. like actually coming up against that, like learning when to speak up about it, learning no. the words and the language. It's and not the, easy, yeah. especially in our culture, Bollywood mainstream cinema. It's so ingrained in society and given its widespread reach, its impact and everything, people sort of use Bollywood and these mainstream media platforms as educational avenues where they learn about just general societal issues, basically, mm. and about identities, about themselves, about others. And so in, in a way, 
whatever you see on screen informs culture and informs societal behavior. It is what drives conversations. And so that has a lot of power in what then you see yourself as or don't see yourself as on screen. And it's both powerful, but at the same time dangerous when you have people that misuse those platforms in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for what what attracts me to you as a performer, I think, is that idea of like you're literally dancing to your own tune, right? You've created that space that you're talking about. Can you shed some light on like what you came up against? Like I'm not looking for necessarily like a conflict, but I want to know, like, I think what amazes me about anyone's journey is how do we unlearn, right? Like, how do we then advance what we had to unlearn and maybe make it easier for future folks or people that are even currently going through it to say, hey, like, maybe there's no one way to unlearn it, right? But these are things that work for me. Or, you know, how do we speak up when we, like, for me, for example, I think something I struggle with as an activist is when do I speak up and when do I not? When is it safe to do so? And when do I not? So I think for dance, like, I wonder about for you when it is so gendered, when you do have specific lyrics that are, were there things you came up against or things that you felt like, man, it didn't have to be this way. Like, I want to now through my dance, hopefully make it easier for someone else. Yes. I think it's this interesting dichotomy when we talk about our journeys, because on one side, you're not really alone in this journey because what facilitates your journey is the journeys of other people who've Mm. come before you. And so that has played a huge role in my learning or unlearning process is seeing other people break norms, challenge norms, go against what is considered to be normal. Mm. And so seeing other people like Alok, for Mm. example, just completely shattering ceilings and so visibly and vocal at the same Mm. time helped me realize that you know what there is so much more out there There there's so much more to identities the expanse of it is really hard to fathom and we get so stuck on small small things Mm. that we lose the bigger picture in that fight to sort of validate our very existence And then there's a whole road left to then explore Mm. what that existence means Mm. to each of us. So yes, that first half, it isn't really my journey on my own. It has been complemented. It has been facilitated. It has been made easier by so many others Mm. in the same struggle. At the same time, it is your individual journey. (laughs) It is about you. It is about your own personal growth. It's about how you choose to identify, how you choose to create your own narrative, how you then share that with others. Because at the end of the day, you come first. If you're unable to sort of take care of yourself, if you're unable to be comfortable in your own skin, in your own being, it is hard for anything else outside of that to matter. Nothing else is easy to fall into place if you aren't secure, safe in your own self. And so it's been this journey of sort of like juggling these two in terms of learning from those who've come before me, but also creating my own path and Mm. allowing myself to breathe life into that. And for me, growing up in Indonesia and India, there weren't that many role models that I could look Mm. up to and be like, oh my God, this is something I could do. This is something I could be. There aren't that many imageries out Mm. there for me to resonate with, to relate to. And so it was very, very important for me to 
make that sort of thing to yeah. create that visual representation. I think we don't give representation enough credit. I know we throw the word around like confetti, but don't yeah. really understand the importance and impact that it has. And so visual representation is so, so, so important because seeing makes being easier. Mm. And so for me, it was right. First of all, how do I see myself? And how do I share that with everyone? And it has been through music and dance by, yes, it's, we talk about gendered songs and all that. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes yeah. I want to sing the male lyric. Sometimes I want to sing the female lyric. Yeah. Sometimes I like, this is shit. I don't want to do either of these things. I just want to dance to the instruments. But it's interesting to question these things. I think that's the first step. So when yeah. I teach dances, obviously I have my public classes, those in London Thursdays, every six to seven Thursday, <laughs> Dance Works London. Um, but it's sort of like taking a song. I want to teach this song in class. But at the same time, I want everyone in class to know why this is good or problematic. Understand that this song perpetuates some stereotypes. Mm. And when I teach you choreography, it is gender neutral. Mm. So how you then choose to interpret that, whether you want to add a feminine element, whether you yeah. want to add a masculine, whatever that might even be to you, do it, yeah. do it. I give you choreography as a base, but at the end of the day, that's the extent to which I can help you. Yeah. What you do with that is your choice. And that very much reflects to day-to-day -day activities in life. Life throws us things, we choose what we want to do with it, how we want to react to it sort of thing, and then project back. So I think creating that space for people to express themselves without inhibition and without having to fall into those gendered stereotypes is very important for me. So even if there are like songs that have problematic lyrics, I'll air it out in class and be like, you're dancing to this, but understand the context, understand. But obviously I do try and stay away from such songs, but it's important to have those conversations so that people are aware because I think that's important to just be aware of what kind of media you're consuming. Mm. Absolutely. I obviously want to talk about Queer Party Bar, your current project. Can you tell our listeners about that and maybe even touch upon like how the things we've been talking about and those themes kind of led to this? Sure. So my past work in the last two, three years has been sort of, again, addressing gender fluidity and bringing it to the forefront through music and dance. I've been very lucky to be in spaces that usually don't represent us. So whether that's like Britain's Got Talent or France's Got Talent or even doing a TEDx talk. I even was lucky enough to be invited to LA to do a short Netflix documentary to talk about being non-binary and what does that mean to me. So sort of like entering those spaces in itself was a huge deal for me because I didn't think that it would be possible. Mm. But at the same time, I'm very grateful and appreciative of them. So then I obviously this summer I took a sabbatical, mm -hmm. went home and sort of wanted to reflect on mm -hmm. everything that I've been able to do or have been lucky to achieve in the past two years and realized that while I have been able to do quite a bit, I felt like I could do more, that mm -hmm. this isn't enough. I need to be able to push this forward in a way that's a bit more accessible to everyone mm -hmm. so that the message of being non-binary or just queer identities in general through a South Asian lens is a bit more widespread that I can reach more people because over the past two years I've had so 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 many people reach out to me on my social media just telling me how things that I've been able to do have touched them or resonated with them I've had people coming out to me mm -hmm. I've had people sharing their challenges with me and just people like back in Indonesia when I went home they were like the fact that you were on these tv shows was a good conversation starter at our dinner tables at home for me to bring up queer identities yeah, and that in itself is so 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 
beautiful to think about that what I think I'm doing is sort of helping other people start conversations about their own identities with their families, which means a lot to me because I never had that. Yeah. And so I know how important this is. I can appreciate how special it is for someone to be able to bring up these mm-hmm. conversations with their family without knowing how it might go down. Yeah. So that obviously I wanted to do more, that desire to create more. Mm-hmm. So I resigned from my day job plunged into the freelance <laughs> lifestyle, still still trying to crack it. I'm not sure what I'm doing, but <laughs> I knew this project, Queer Parivar, was something I wanted to do. I've wanted to do it for so long now, but just never had the right network or the right mindset, uh, mental space to do it. And so taking this break really enforced that. Yeah. So when I talk about representation, obviously a lot of my work has been around music and dance, but there's only so much that I can do in those spaces. And there's only so much I can talk about the lack of representation in mainstream media. So I'm like, okay, what's the solution now? Let's let's work on the next steps. And so the most organic step was if we're not going to get representation in mainstream media that's adequate, then we create it ourselves. So that's where Queer Bravar comes in. This is a short film that revolves around a wedding So I love weddings. I've been (laughs) in the wedding industry for a very long time. I've attended around like 100 plus weddings, all (laughs) cis straight weddings. (laughs) Um, And just imagined what a queer wedding would look like. Obviously now we have a lot more of it, but five years ago, it was unimaginable, at least to me. And weddings are such an important cultural process in our culture. People give it such importance like oh my god you have to get married you have to get married at this age you have to get married to this person marriage is such a big conversation absolutely weddings are such a big conversation in our culture and so it seemed that people love talking about weddings and so it makes it an accessible theme for everyone to relate to so now queer parivar is based on an interfaith queer wedding that brings together a few sensitive storylines through a commercial lens, through the setting of a wedding, obviously, but with very sensitive queer narratives that are being brought to the forefront. We have an all Asian cast on screen, behind the screen. We have some incredible, incredible people involved, all who bring their lived experiences to the authentic storytelling process. Mm -hmm. So it makes it more real. It makes it more, as I said, authentic because Mm -hmm. they're literally sharing stories from their own lives um, Mm. that have then been adapted to the narrative. The story is of Madhav, who is non-binary, and Sufi, who is a gay Muslim man, and how they come from very, very different backgrounds, Mm. identify differently, but come together because of love Mm. and that union. So it sort of questions, what does that look like? They come from two different families so I don't want to give too much of the story yeah, away yeah, but as much as the want. structure of their families are very different so we sort of address what does a family look like the title itself Queer Parivar 
is an homage to Star Parivar. Mm. So Star, Star Parivar is the anthem song oh of Starplus. I <laughs> love that because so I was like obsessed with watching Starplus <laughs> with mean, my we parents. We all know that song. Yeah. Star Parivar. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like we grew up with it. The this. best part of the awards show every year. <laughs> Literally, just, I even know the choreography down to a T. So, um, we are, that makes me so happy. I know. So, because Starplus obviously is such um, an a famous, it's iconic. Yeah, Everyone yeah. loves Starplus. Everyone watches Starplus. Even till today, Monday to Sunday, everyone's just glued to their TV sets regardless of age background everyone's watching Starpless um, <laughs> literally and yeah. so again because of how many people watch it and how popular it is their storylines play a huge deal in sort of again shaping cultural narratives and everything and informing people of life in general basically they have some queer storylines going on right now that are really bad like really really bad <laughs> so regressive and just problematic on so many levels yeah. so I'm like <laughs> it's the start but it's not the start we wanted it's not, it's not how <laughs> um, we thought this was gonna literally, go yeah. it's like, this is not how we wanted representation but again so it takes that channel starpless and because again starpless they glorify the whole family that nuclear family the joint family the joint family the, yeah. the extended family mm-hmm. and all that so I'm like you know what it's not always that way mm-hmm. families can look very differently there's no one fixed way for a family sure. to be and so it sort of like brings that angle to it like yes this is about a family not your stereotypical one and obviously it is a queer parivar it's yeah. a queer family and I think that's beautiful I mean everyone involved has now sort of like become a family and that's beautiful I think that process of creating uh, bringing people together mobilizing queer creatives in the British scene to come together and create something together because obviously we have such amazing talent here mm. the talent pool is incredible but everyone's sort of doing their own thing individually, doing amazingly. But this sort of helps bring everyone together to create something for ourselves, for others. So it's like by us, for us, and obviously wider audiences everywhere. So I think this is a very, very good chance for us to bring queer narratives to the forefront. We have characters who identify as trans, non-binary, intersex, um, gay, lesbian, bisexual. And so it's a really nice mix Mm. of people that get, screen time and my favorite bit of the whole thing is that we're creating an original soundtrack to it because music plays such an important role in our lives we listen to music so much we identify with it we relate to it it helps drive our own narratives forward as it does in mainstream hindi cinema and so i thought it a powerful tool to communicate with people especially because I want this film to be accessible to people of all ages. I want young queer people out there to sit with their families and watch it together. Hence why it's family friendly, hence the music, hence the commercial setting. But again, sensitive storyline that is respectful of the queer community and helps educate. Like obviously this is not going to be a monolith on like queer earnest but it hopes to just make a mark and create a space of its own to again not be didactic but to help you learn about other identities apart from your own yeah absolutely and will there be dances i assume uh <laughs> yes i mean we can't I mean, not obviously. have dances. it is a wedding you need sangeet you need music dance you need the competition between both sides oh my god it's gonna be beautiful yeah, i love oh that god. i can't wait for it. i can't wait i can't wait <laughs> 
What's the timeline and the plan? Like? Um, so we're currently in funding phase, mm-hmm. which is going really positive. So touch wood, thank God, that's going really good. Uh, we're going to pre-production end of November through till early Jan. So that's when we'll be creating our music. and everything. It's so nice because like everything has been so well thought out. We've brought people from all walks to contribute. We've like making making sure that all the lyrics are gender neutral mm-hmm. and they don't fall into those tropes of like, obviously, because there are like love songs and everything. And we don't want it to be like, oh, you complete me. My <laughs> life without you is nothing. That sort of Bollywood vibe. We're like, nah. But it is. Nah. I mean, it's like, also no. true. Uh, it's more about like, I mean, it's no, more I'm like kidding, you I'm are kidding. your own complete person. I'm a complete person. Together we come together. We support each <laughs> other, complement each other. Well, so. so I'm like, uh, like, I can still live without you. Yeah. Do I want to? Different no. question. But it doesn't mean my entire existence is defined by having a partner sort of thing. Yeah. So it's a very nuanced, a very updated Mm. Um, look at how we approach romantic songs romance in general and obviously because it's interfaith so how do we bring two cultures together a Muslim identity a Hindu identity and fuse that all of it but at the same time paying respect to both absolutely because I think we have such beautiful intersections whether that be our religion our queer identities our race anything so it's nice to have that shown because we're always seen as one or the other and not as a sum as a of collective. It, as a collective. I mean, that's, that's so much of what this podcast is so much about mm-hmm. because it's important to me that we uplift South Asian queer narratives in all their forms, but it's not just about that. It's exactly. about the amazing things that all of us are doing. There's so much more to us. Yeah. So I try never to focus on like, well, how do you identify? Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. what is your label? A, which is also and important. Is, yeah, no, but it's important. Then, then what? Yeah, it's like, After here's that. a whole life. Here's a whole journey. Exactly. Here are the things that like make me tick, you know? Absolutely. And I think just finding that resonance in all of those it's, ways is so... It adds yeah. to that humanity because we are humans. Exactly. So treat us like... Yeah, humans. and no one ever gets past... I think for South Asians especially, like no one ever gets past the coming out like what do your parents say and that's and then you kind of just like you never see weddings families kids like we had someone on last season Mm -hmm. who's a parent and Mm -hmm. he and his husband like adopted two kids like talking about that instead of just saying like okay you're queer so like how'd you do that yeah you know which is why it's important for us even through this film and obviously through my dance work and everything that we move beyond that and start conversations that are more meaningful like and more personal to our journeys that goes beyond the superficial. And now it's time for a quick break, but we'll be back shortly with Shiva. Hi, Queering Desi listeners. This is Priya. I want to take a moment to share something with you. As South Asian LGBTQIA folks, our strength is our diversity. We come from a variety of backgrounds, and what we wear is so often essential to being able to express who we are. Whether you're breaking barriers, deconstructing stigmas, or pursuing your passion, there's a brand called Bakwas Apparel that understands what it means to be who you are and what it takes to be true to yourself, something we believe in deeply here at Queering Desi. Inspired by this generation of go-getters, innovators, disruptors, and dreamers, Bakwas takes pride in designing apparel that embraces and shares this multicultural identity to the world. Check out the awesome designs on their website at www.bakwasapparel.com. That's B-A-K-W-A-A-S apparel.com. And use the code SHIVARAYCHANDANI with no spaces for an exclusive discount just for you, our listeners. Join the movement, be Bakwas. Okay, back to the show. I love your name. I just thank I you. Say Everyone like relates it back to Kavikuchi Kavikam because that's Raichand. I don't know. I was like, why is your name not Raichand? Oh. Oh, excuse me. 
No one needs to be associated with that patriarchal film. We do not need that. Even though I love it, I have a love-hate relationship with that. It's my problematic fave, but still. Oh my god, that's exactly what we're going to go into next. We're going to go into like problematic faves. Problematic faves. Let's talk. Um, That would be a whole different. That's literally Bollywood in general. A problematic (laughs) child that you just you know love to hate. How do you not learn? How? How? Yeah. Literally. I don't know. But then you do better because it's your child. So you're like, and you're like, you want to hope the best for it because it has so much potential. Because you see that potential and you're like. Like, no. And then sometimes you just need to like smack some sense into it. I mean, that might be what they need because yeah. it's, it's getting worse. Um, we're gonna do like a bit of a rapid fire. Sure. It's not anything <laughs> related to like Garen Johar Incorporated and his That's whole not. thing. Yeah. Um, but I just want to go through like fast questions of just okay. like what you think about Bollywood and <gasps> all the things. Um, oh my god, this so- is gonna be so controversial. You can <laughs> this is this if this you know like hampers my chance at Bollywood. I'm gonna. <laughs> We get back into my hamper is a hug if, uh, he, if you consent. Fair. So uh-huh. it's I fine. mean, yes. But if this does it ruins my chances for Bollywood, then oh my god! If this is what it took, ugh, wow. <laughs> like really, this is what's gonna make the th- all right. Not any of the okay. Don't think right. they're ready for any of this. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> we'll start easy. We'll start with okay, like fine. favorites. So favorite that. actor or actress. Oh god. Again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all such problematic faves. Actor, okay, actor Ranveer Singh. I think he's had really, really good choices in terms of the narrative that he's picked up. And he's so outrageous. I love it. Not just personality, like fashion and everything. He's so bold. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whatever that means. But out there, questioning the status quo and just like getting people to turn heads. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. And and actress, you mentioned Madhuri, right? Uh, Madhuri, yes. She hasn't been doing much recently. Obviously, Mm. she's an icon. If I had to pick one, wow, I'm blanking. I did like Priyanka, but then we won't get into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my god, actress Deepika's okay, but she's. It can be any era, like Madhuri. Oh, yeah. Let's just do Madhuri because yeah. she she like, communicates with her eyes, and you're just yeah. like, wow. No one how can are do you that. Doing yeah. this, yeah. Like teach me your ways. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> she stand like, there, and her Abhinaya, she's just like doing something, and you're like, sold, sold, <laughs> like done. You haven't even done anything. You haven't said a word. <laughs> done, done. Yeah. Well, this is really niche, but did you yeah. have you seen the show Dance Divana that she judges now? on Which like one? TV it's called Dance Divana and has like I've three generations yeah. yeah yeah so she like my wife and I obsessively watch all Indian shows but that's one is our favorite yeah. because yeah. it's Madhuri of course yeah. but she does like all these things where like they'll like okay they bring you to the stage to dance with the guests they waste so they much do, time on they these do shows too much of that. why they go into like some backstory of <laughs> yeah. the people and I'm like I'm here to watch dance <laughs> this is not how Let's you waste people's next, time yeah. so that's like so she does that and then oh. there's times where she gets tired of getting up and going to the stage every oh, time so she'll just do like the eyes and it's like one of my most favorite things where they'll like play a song and she's like I'll just do it from here and does only expressions and you're like no one can do this anymore like I want to do that just react to life in general just sitting and just expressions this is how I deal with everything in life yeah it's so good that's amazing Okay, so yeah. uh, your go-to song. It go-to could be song. of any this era. Is, you, you're, this is really difficult. I can't just like pick one song. You, you can't can ask someone who teaches Bollywood dance to pick <laughs> one song. Like, that doesn't happen. What's your like go-to if a DJ doesn't have like a song you like? What's mm. your like, they will have this. I love dancing on this. I have choreography for this. Like, is there know, one? As much as I am very much obviously into peppy dance songs, I find myself gravitating towards sad songs even more. Like, you know, just looking out the window <laughs> and thinking of like yourself in a Bollywood film the rain bar and you're like yes this is my moment you do live in London it's like raining exactly it helps it helps as the constant mood here so I mean yeah I see myself listening to more mellow songs more of my A.R. Rahmans and everything just like relaxed and yeah because I think that helps calm me down when 
I, I need it. So yeah. Not as much as like the peppy dance songs. It's because again, the peppy dance songs, they come and go. They have yeah. a quick life cycle. Yeah. But then the soft songs and the <laughs> slow ones, they, they stick. Oh my God. Well, speaking of fast songs, I yeah. have some like choices okay. um, in songs. Oh my God. Kodrare versus Choli Kipiche. Kajrari, obviously, because really? Jolie Kipichi is so problematic. <laughs> How dare they? Can the we please? Problematic. Literally wrote my one of my essays for my master's degree on why Jolie Kipichi hair was problematic. How did they let us listen to that? I don't understand. I don't understand how that was made and As put out there. a bunch of um, straight men sitting there thinking, how do we, we capitalize were, on we this one woman kids. that we bring in to do an item song? Excuse but me. How dare you? How many of us dance to that? Literally, without any awareness of what we were doing. And now when I look back at it, I'm like, <laughs> wow. This shit we had to deal with yeah. and are still dealing with. Still. Still. Yeah. Like, I mean, Kajrani is no less. You have like two men there. But then again, she's her, owning it. She's like living her life. Off. She's like, it's, fine. it's a bit. Di- oh, yeah. We won't, <laughs> like we won't get into that on, incest going on. <laughs> but I mean, again, Kajrani was still. It's yeah, yeah, I think at least it's better than Cholique Piche. What about literally asking what's behind your blouse? How is that a lyric? Like, why? <laughs> Clearly, it's not her heart. We know. Like, we're not talking of her heart behind was the blouse. A, there were a lot of Madhuri songs that are like, there was one where she's literally in a field and is there like all her friends or Sakiar like asking her like, like, what happened last night? And the whole song is about that. Each verse is oh like, he took out my gajra from my hair. And then they <gasps> sing about that. And then they, it's like, I forget. It's I mean, with, we have songs for everything. We have songs. I mean, and Bollywood has literally songs for everything. very suggestive. <laughs> we have songs on lemons and lime. Like we have like literally everything. I mean, Just it name it. We have songs about it. Literally. Yeah. One more choice, which mm-hmm. is Dholi Taro Dhol Baje or Nagara Sang Dhol Baje. Oh, that's a hard, <laughs> that's one. A hard one. Oh my God. I have like personal like relationships with both the songs because mm. some of my earliest dance memories in school was Doli Taro and Nagara obviously we did it on Britain's Got Talent so yes. I have that attachment to it so I can't really pick um, <laughs> no I'd have to go with both both, both? both are okay. iconic both are iconic yeah, yeah. okay and what about remakes like uh, all these songs are coming back Bollywood want- needs to stop remaking <laughs> songs uh, why where is the talent where is the original well I saw original... your Saki Saki video which was very good well that's the thing right I complain about these music <laughs> songs and then I have no other choice but to dance on them well do you have a favourite remake I uh, mean there's been too many I really liked the Saki Saki yeah. one also Same. because I did like the original one and then yes. when I saw Nora doing it I was it wasn't like, that oh, long wow. ago so can they remake something that was recent I don't know but... I, I have no idea literally so it definitely Saki Saki was a nice one yeah uh, some of the others are quite trash. I don't know. I don't even know how they made past the like. They're, and they're making all the movies over again. And I, I mean, we have something original. We have Dostana two coming out. Oh boy! Can and they please? have the Shub Mangal Savdan two, which is also a gay story. Yeah. Okay. Apparently. So I think, which uh, obviously we can't yeah. comment. It's too early to comment. Yeah. But yeah, maybe let's just wait for it to wait, release. Quick thoughts on Eglarki from um, earlier this year. Again, another controversial one. So I think. It has its space in our cinema. I think the fact that it exists is important because, again, its writer was queer. And so we need to give kudos to that. And again, it presented a queer storyline through that whole commercial setting with popular household actors Mm -hmm. like the Kapoors and everything. So I think it has a place in our cinematic library. But does it do much for us? I don't think so. I don't think it changes much for us. It was really watered down. Like they didn't really show the queer love as much as we hoped it would. Yeah, they shied away a lot. Yeah. Understandably why, again. But I just feel really bad that these are the films that get mainstream attention and the good ones, like the actual good 
queer films being made in India don't get that sort of exposure and go straight to streaming or have a limited release or are just like literally unknown because yeah. there are some really really good ones Absolutely. out there but until unless you go search or look for it you don't get to which see it which is also not easy to do which is not yeah. easy which is not easy so i think that's where yeah. lies the issue that it obviously branded itself as the first lesbian yeah. drama out of bollywood and we're like please take your seat yeah. it is not the first it's lesbian not, drama yeah. It's just yeah. yeah. It's we sort of had like, both both the director Shelley Thar and Sonam uh, incredible on the woman. show. Yes, yeah, so I met her as she, well. She's yeah, incredible. She, I, I think for its job, this is what I told my parents yeah. to who did eventually see it on Netflix. Yeah. I knew they they would not go to a theater and see it, but no, 100%. for whatever worked for them. I think for what it was made for, which was from her perspective as a director, mm-hmm. like as a parent, as a family, showing that it did its job, like Absolutely. it did it great. That's but I as I told her, and I still believe, like it wasn't for us. Yeah. Like, yeah, it did nothing for us, but True. and I agree. Yeah. But I'm also like, it wasn't for us. It no. was for the parents. It that was are like, for the parents. I'm not gonna engage in the like. For, it was for them, and Absolutely. it spoke their language. Absolutely. And I think for that, I still ride a high from that because I think. While we have our queer films, I don't know what it is that I could get through to like extended family in India or in, and so if it speaks their language literally and figuratively, Which is why, like yeah. yeah, absolutely, I think yeah. it definitely has a space because even when my grandparents watched it, they really enjoyed it and related to yeah. it. So that was good to see them actually having fun and watching <laughs> it. So that that was plus right. point to me. But again. To me personally, that literally did nothing. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I totally agree. Um, we broke all the rules of rapid fire, but I have two yes. more questions. Sorry. Um, no, it's totally cool. We went on like a whole... Try to get away from it and this is what happened. I was like, ah, how do we break away from the rapid fire? Yeah. Um, this next question comes from my wife. So shout out to uh, her. Um, your favorite... <laughs> favorite shade of lipstick. She wants to know yours. Oh, wow. See, that's... I'm terrible with names. I okay. like, like... I can't pinpoint... Yeah. Uh, like I literally see a color and I'm like, this is good. Does it I have like a weird name, like so, yeah, some segment some, or something? Literally, and you're like, it's I, I don't even okay. know what it's called. I'm yeah. terrible with names. Even even like our tube lines, I don't call it by their names. I call it the blue line, the green line, and all that. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. But like lipstick, it's the it's recently I got this nice maroon red sort of thing, and I really liked it. Ooh. I'm terrible at this. I'm sorry. I don't know names. Like I'm <laughs> we'll follow up so later bad. with these. Yes, I'll I'll put it up. I'll put it yeah. up. But yeah. And um, lastly, your dream vacation. Where would you go? Dream vacation. Wow. Mm. I want to do more of India, even though I have lived there. I feel like there's so much more that I haven't seen. Like, I really want to go to Kerala. So that's definitely on top of my list because mm. I think it's got such rich history there that I really yeah. want to unpack. And yeah, definitely more, more, more of India. Yeah, I just think there's so much there yeah. that we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm starting a new segment to end, which is mm-hmm. called Reality versus Instagram. Okay. And so just a little bit since you're like Insta-famous. And I'm not Insta-famous. You're like so Insta-famous. That is um, <laughs> a lie. What even? That, well, that we have nothing. We have to talk to like the Gen Zs and the, you know, the influencers. Oh and the, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I am an too. auntie. I don't know, I don't like, know what this. It, what do they call it? Like Literally, I, some of my like <laughs> queer friends who are like, like really young and all, they're like, you're our auntie, you're a queer. And it's like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Because I literally... I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting for that title. But yeah, um, I'm terrible but, at this. But I think what it is, is that social media reaches so far. No, 100%. Um, and so I think trying to negate some of the mm-hmm. things that can be portrayed, right? Like 
face tunes and the things and like uh, of trying to portray something that's really positive when the reality is something else. Absolutely. And I think we're finally getting to a point of social media where people know that. Yes. That, like what you see is not always what you get. And so to try to get at that a little. We need to be what, very, yeah. very conscious of what we're yeah. consuming in our media. I've li- literally had an Instagram cleanse recently of just unfollowing things that. Oh, that's so just, good. Because I think we need to just yeah. constantly check what we're following, who we're following, what's sure. the kind of content we're consuming on a daily, especially because I personally at least use these platforms a lot for work and stuff. Yeah. And so I need to be very mindful of yeah. everything uh, that totally. I'm consuming as in it literally screws up with your mental health. <laughs> yeah. And we just yeah. need to be very careful, especially when younger people are Absolutely. exposed to things that forces them to edit themselves in ways that they shouldn't be doing. I think that sort of awareness is absolutely necessary, which is why I try absolutely. and keep things very real on Instagram. Yeah. You do, and like, yeah. I've like, yeah, yeah. I'm literally a comedian on Instagram, but I don't know what <laughs> I, like, I just post anything and everything. I don't really plan things. I don't curate Okay, so maybe my some feed. of these won't, won't apply to you. But, yeah, but um, try. Let's try. Let's yeah, see. Let's, let's try. see how. Let's see how <laughs> young or old I am. Um, how many takes does it take for you to get the perfect selfie? Oh, average. Three, two to three. Oh, that's not yeah. bad. Okay, yeah. I was like yeah. five or six for me. But okay. Oh, no, it's more like, <laughs> like, I need more the lighting. The lighting yeah. makes all uh, the difference. Very true. Yeah, so it's just, yeah. yeah. Do you have a go-to filter? Uh, the first one, the first swipe. I think it's called Paris. That's like, it's, it's like, like the first when it's you, just like yeah. first swipe and it makes me look pretty. And I'm like, yes, this is me. Don't uh, tell anyone. I love that. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite hashtag that you like to follow? Favorite hashtag. I hashtag love a lot for some reason. I mm. don't know why, but it's just like everything That's I post good. is like love. I post the dance thing, love. I post like me doing. Well, you like, love a lot of things. That's good. I do, I do, I do. I think we just need more love in yeah, life. I, I like and that. I'm terrible at doing hashtags. I'll try and make some puns based on what I'm posting, yeah. but I think end of it is always just like love hashtag love yeah i'm trying to get a gauge for this but how many yeah. stories is too many i hate clicking through like oh, 20 million stories thing. I, what's your like limit before you like hit next Where, it really depends on the content okay. and who that person is okay. that i'm following because sometimes people post some really really good stuff and yeah. you want to make sure you're Seeing checking everything it. out because right. i know i myself i do tend to post quite a bit uh not just my content i like to share other people's content and spotlight a lot of Absolutely. other creators and everything and obviously if someone's tagging me i love to reshare that because i just want to share that yeah. love and everything so there are days where I'm like posting like so many yeah. stories there has come to a point where Instagram has told me I've reached the max limit and so there have been <laughs> oh those God. times but it really depends if it's someone that I don't really relate to it's what's happening sim- then yeah. skip skip then you skip. skip yeah dogs or babies which would you follow if you had dogs to choose or one? babies oh, <laughs> this is hard because I do love dogs and I do love babies <laughs> I think it's more dogs on Instagram and babies on Twitter Ah, yeah. Okay. There's a lot of cute babies on Twitter for some reason. Ah, I've I, I have a lot of friends that just had kids in the last year, and so my Instagram is full of. Oh my babies, God. Everyone's actually. getting married around yeah. me. Why? Uh, what is happening? Wait a couple years. That was me too. This is why I've stopped using mm-hmm. Facebook too much because literally everyone's just uploading wedding pictures, and All I'm like, weddings. I don't need this. Oh, the babies will come now. Because it's not even about me. I'm <laughs> yeah. fine with that, but it'll be my mum. So this one got married. Your friend's getting married. Like, what's happening? Well, my dad is more of like he now he knows that everyone's having babies, so he's like, is there anything new? Like, is there any new I'm like, no one's pregnant yet. When's no one's the like, good news? When is the, like, yeah. what is happening? I interviewed Sonam Kapoor and he was like, <laughs> I don't know I'm outing my dad on this. No. But he was like, he, he was like, oh, it was nice meeting her and stuff. And then he was like, oh, so like, is she like family planning or anything? <laughs> and I was like, we're, I did I not love how we're, to ask. I love how we're planning for Sonam Kapoor. Like, I, like, I didn't get a chance to ask her. <laughs> my When's dad the baby like coming? To know Sonam. <laughs> 
mean, I love it. My dad is like the cutest, but it was like That's hilarious. So sweet. I'm like, I know oh we put God. so much emphasis on like marriage, kids, and everything. We're yeah. like, there's so much more that I want to do outside of it. When it's time, when I feel yeah. right, should I want to? Should I not want to? Later. Yeah. Do you have a favorite account that you follow, or like a like meme account, account or anything? I think Alok's is definitely yeah. one of one of my That's favorites. One. I feel so validated when I see them post. Their posts are always everything they yeah, do. And their captions and their no, story. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I learn so yeah. much. Obviously, unlearn as well. But yeah. I'm constantly open to like new narratives. I'm constantly questioned about so many things by their posts, and so. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Definitely, everyone definitely follow them. Yeah. And just to wrap up, I always ask my guests this, which is if you could give your younger self some advice, mm-hmm. what would it be? And that younger self could mean a different timeline yesterday, <laughs> a year ago, anything. This is such a difficult question because there's so much on adult. You like, would write a book. Young, literally, <laughs> I would write a book to younger yeah. Shiva. But if there was one thing I would say, and this is something I tell everyone as well who I meet, people that I connect with or just anyone in general, I think... It is okay to put yourself first and kindness, the practice of it to oneself, like being kind to oneself means so much. Like Mm. it's even more important than anything else because only then can you actually, when you're kind to yourself, when you're kind, yeah, to your true self and allow yourself that space to be, to be loved, to understand that you are deserving of all things good in life and all things positive. Only then can you extend that kindness to others. So just being kind to yourself takes you miles. And that might look like anything, whether that's treating yourself, whether that's learning more, whether that's engaging with people that are inspirational, Mm. taking time out, stepping out, tapping in, whatever it serves you, however you choose to be kind to yourself, because that helps channel every other decision of yours. Yeah, I love it's, that. It's as yeah. basic and cliche as no, it but is. Just hearing but it. That still... constant reminder that, you know what, it doesn't have to be this hard. Because at the end of the day, nothing matters as much. We stress too much about too many things. And so just sitting back, being kind to oneself and taking a breather is okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you, Shiva. That's all the questions I had. Um, this was so much fun. Having you thank in Crazy so has been like a dream of mine. So I'm so no glad way. that I'm in London and I got a chance to talk to no, you. This all thanks great. to you. I've been following the podcast for a while now. And I think being here is such a privilege and honor. So thank you so much for thank having you. me. Thank you. Can you just quickly shout out your social media or where people can reach you or follow yes. your work or follow Queer Parivar even? Um, so I'm Shiva Raichandani on all uh, social media. Please follow Queer Parivar, Queer Parivar again on all social media. Uh, follow the journey, the behind the scenes, the process of the film. And that's it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shiva. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Queering Daisy. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to rate and subscribe on iTunes to help us spread the word and to make sure you get the latest episodes right to your phone. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Queering Daisy. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please feel free to reach us on social media or drop us an email at queeringdaisy at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.